Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Our music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. His new album is called Angst and Grace. Make sure you grab a copy. Here at the top, I'd love to thank one of our sponsors, West Rock Coffee. West Rock Coffee is a brand that is changing lives by providing coffee that you can be proud to choose for your home. Their focus is to be a catalyst for change in the lives of farmers and their families by paying a fair price for their delicious coffee and offering farmers training to enhance the quality and quantity of their crops. Most of us will enjoy a cup or two or three of coffee a day. I know you guys. Uh, Some of us without even knowing which brand we choose. So choose West Rock Coffee's delicious blends that are truly changing lives. Find West Rock Coffee at your local Kroger or go to westrockcoffee.com to find out where you can add Westrock to your grocery list. Today on the show is one of all of our very favorite women, particularly in this faith space, but probably on the planet, Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa has been a friend of mine for a lot of years. And in fact, when I was starting this, and you'll hear us talk about it, when I was starting doing this job, she is genuinely one of the very first people whoever believed in me and gave me a chance, and I will remember it forever. Her newest book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, just released a few months ago, and it's incredibly good. And I loved getting to sit down in my office and chat with her. So here is my conversation with author, founder of Proverbs 31, and just all around one of my favorites, Lisa Turkhurst. I mean, how much do you have to spell your last name? All the time. Yeah, you'd have to, because people have to, I mean, they know who you are now, but I would imagine that people miss the switch, not, the E and the U. Yeah, it's not just my last name. It's my first name. Mm-hmm. It's everything about me. <laughs> it's all of me. <laughs> Has to be spelled out loud for people. All Pretty of much. Me. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me why you're in Nashville. Well, I spoke at Worship Together this morning, (laughs) which is like just a worship conference, right? Yeah, but it was also the best excuse to come and see you. Yeah, (laughs) thank you so much. I do love, I mean, one of my favorite things getting to do this is getting to have these conversations with friends. And what you know that the worst of the world doesn't know is you have been such a gift and an inspiration to me for so many years as as an up-close mentor. And so it just feels so special to get to sit with you and talk with you in front of all these people this time. Well, it's my honor, Annie, really. You're too kind. Well, you're very sweet. Um, Okay, so will you back me up and tell me how many books total? I don't even know. No. I I mean, over 20. uh, Over 20. Okay. Do you write one every year? No. Okay. Well, I write a major trade book every two years because it's truly a two-year process for me. Now, I may slip in a devotional on the Mm -hmm. off year. Mm -hmm. I may slip in a Bible study or something like that, which both of those are really wonderful projects to me. But my my trade books, I cannot do it any faster than that. It takes me a good six months to research an an idea, probably six to 12 months to write it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, preparing for the release of the book, none of that can be rushed. It just can't. Right. There is just no, um, there's no substitute for time when it comes to all of this. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know that people outside of the field recognize how often it's a waiting of like, hurry up and finish this. And then we're going to wait for six months. Right. And also, I don't want my books to smell like they were birthed from a library. I want them to feel mm. like everyday life. And so you have to let life happen. Yes. But let's be honest, I'm never really short on life happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's an interesting about the new one. It's not supposed to be this way. I mean, this is really fresh. 
Yes. Was there any part of you that was scared to have it come out so close to when the st- I mean, the book came out before you and Art re uh, renewed our renewed vows. Your vows. Yes, yes. Well, because the book is not about reconciliation, and that probably mm, could be a misconception good. about mm-hmm. people. Throughout the whole writing of the book, I never knew if Art and I were going to stay together or not. So, oh my gosh, you were writing it real time, not knowing real time. When oh I started writing this book, I didn't know I was going to get diagnosed with breast cancer. That didn't happen until the chapter that that it, you say it. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh my gosh, do you start? Do you write a book front to back? No, I I write a book as it happens, and then I can kind of rearrange the chapters. But if something's happening in chronological order, mm-hmm. I'll be real sensitive mm-hmm. to that, to keep sure. that in order. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so this book is not about reconciliation. This book is about redemption. Mm. And those two things sometimes hold hands, but sometimes they don't. And reconciliation is really dependent on another person. So it has to be two people both coming together, doing the hard work, humbling themselves, wanting the reconciliation. But redemption with God, that is our choice with Him and Him alone. It's not dependent on another person. And so for me, I was tying the hope of this book definitely not on reconciliation. I was tying the hope of the book on God will redeem this. I just don't know how it's going to look. No matter what, the he would restore the years, yes. the locust city. And so there are friends of ours listening who are going like, my story, Susie in Arkansas is like, my story is not turning out right. Yeah. It isn't supposed, it wasn't supposed to be this way. That's right. And so how do you talk to her about redemption when she's still in the middle of not being sure of where this is going. Yeah, well, that's why it was important for me to write this book in real time from the messy middle place. It was really important that I didn't wait until I knew how my story was going to turn out because... Honestly, Annie, I wrote this book pretty much from the perspective of not expecting Art and I to work out. Oh my gosh. There were so many strikes against us. Yeah. And so you, when when I hand this book to someone and they're in the messy middle, so much uncertainty, I can say, I completely get it. You will find a friend who's right there with you in this mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. because um, it is complicated, it's gritty, it's raw, but... Does it still feel that? I mean, there's got to be some residualness. I guess the best way to put it is that it was important for me to write this from the middle so that I could authentically connect with the Lord Mm. um, and not feel the pressure to tie everything up in a neat, nice bow. You know, most of the time when I write, I always write about my struggles. I'm always vulnerable and real about that. But usually I write it from like where I'm at now, looking back on it. And you do lose some of the intensity of emotion. I I felt for this particular message, the intensity of the emotion could not be lost. Not that we want to park on our feelings, but we got to know what to do with them. Right. (laughs) Right. And I find myself in stories in my life also going like, okay, here's what I feel. And you're allowed to feel all of that. I had a thing happen last night on Instagram. How stupid. So very low level that really hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I went like, okay, you're allowed to feel that. What are you going to do? And what happens next? And where do you actually need to step in to say something? And where do you just go to a trusted person and work it out? Like, Mm -hmm. hey, side, can you help me with this thing? Mm -hmm. Right? So learning how to let your feelings inform, but not direct, right? Yeah. Is that yeah, the truth? I, yeah, I usually say um, my feelings are indicators, not dictators. Mm. They indicate something needs to be addressed, but they should never dictate how I act and react. 
And so, like, for example, if I'm on Instagram and somebody says something and it's hurtful, I have trained my brain to say to myself, Lisa, you get to choose whether she spoke words or used her words as a weapon. You get to choose that. Mm. And so to the level that I allow someone to have direct access to the deep parts of my heart is to the level that they can use it. it, it it's either a word or a weapon. You know what I mean? But it becomes mm. a weapon if I let it sink down and I personalize it. Sure. And if I start to say, man, she just kind of validated something that I was already afraid that I am or that of how I am or whatever. But if it's just a word, then I can go, okay, is this, like, if this is just a word and, and I'm not allowing it to be a weapon, my choice, then maybe there's a little tiny bit of truth I need to learn from in this. Otherwise, I just need to like swipe, delete, swipe, Yeah, you know, <laughs> Yeah. or I just need to let it sit and let other people defend me because they know my character, yeah, you know? That's right. And obviously that's very low level pain compared to what you and Art really went through and with your diagnosis and stuff. But it's like, man, we got, at every level, we got to learn where feelings can indicate and not dictate. Mm -hmm. Because in the Instagram moments are actually the training ground for the bigger splashes, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be true? Yeah, it is true. Yeah, and for those people who don't know what I went through with art. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry. Maybe I'll you catch should put some words up. around it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We jumped so, right in. My apologies. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, so art has been my best friend. Um, my, How did y'all meet? We met um, in a church Bible study. Oh, cool. Yeah. And in um, your 20s? In our 20s, yeah. I'm not really sure that I was a—I know I wasn't a, in a thriving relationship with Jesus at that point. You know, I was following the rules, and I thought, you know, oh, I should go to Bible study. That's probably where I could meet a good— godly man, yeah. you know, as opposed to other options that existed or whatever. But I I didn't grow up in a thriving Christian environment. So I didn't really know, I didn't understand how to really have that personal relationship with God. So, mm -hmm. so when I say I met him in a Bible study, I don't want you to overestimate the level that I was at at that point, right? <laughs> Um, you weren't leading it. You were attending no, it. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely wasn't leading it. Um, not even sure if I was bringing my Bible, if you want me to be honest. So, so what yeah. made you go? I had been in a really, really difficult relationship, had broken up, and um, my roommate brought a newspaper ad into my room one day and said, Lisa, you've got to leave the apartment. You cannot stay here oh, forever wow. and ever. You need to go to this church. This church is so big. It'll have people your age, and you need to go and make some friends, and they'll be healthy friends, and that's what you need in your life. So I went and made some friends, and so those friends were going to the Bible study. So it kind of just became the thing to do yes. on whatever night, maybe Wednesday nights or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So in my brain, I was really like, man, I'm doing it right. I'm like going to church on Wednesday night yeah. doing Bible study. But it was more in my brain, like doing the right thing. It, mm. I, my heart wasn't connected to it. Right, right. So well, we met in Bible study. Yeah. So but back to Art. Yeah, about a year and a half of attending the Bible study, um, Art came and, and we were introduced. So, um, But we became fast friends and then fell in love and so had been married for over two decades, raised five kids, just really... He was just, I mean, an amazing husband, and I loved him 
with every part of my heart, loved our relationship. Mm -hmm. But he got sucked into some very dark places, unbeknownst to me, some substance abuse that, honestly, I just didn't know the signs and I didn't know what to look for. And when you're in a Christian marriage, sometimes I think you kind of train yourself to be encouraging and loving and see the best and all Mm. of that. And that's good until it isn't. So I miss the signs of, you know, him. I knew things were off, but I attributed it maybe because of the season we were in with our kids, three of our kids were about to get married. And I thought, well, that's just really hard on him, you know, and then some things were happening at work and that can be really stressful. And so, and I tend to be a super positive person and kind of Pollyanna, like the mm-hmm. class is always yeah. cool. You Do you know? know your Enneagram number? Yes. Oh, Annie, seven? That's a, no, I'm a nine. <laughs> oh, of course. That's of so course. sweet. Yeah. With, with a wing eight. Yeah, which, yeah. Oh, you'd you have know. to. Yeah. You work too hard to wing one. Yeah. No offense to nine ones, but yeah. So yeah. nine wing okay. eight. It, okay. It's complicated. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to, we'll get to that. But, um, but anyhow, I missed the signs and then, um, and then, found out that not only was there substance abuse, but also he was knee deep in an affair. And um, it um, it didn't just break me. It shattered my heart. But we were in a season where when I found out three of our five kids were about to get married that year. It was all in 2016. And so I kept it private. Did they tell the kids? Um, we did not tell our kids right away. I yeah. kept it private for... Um, 18 months before the public knew. Um, With our kids, we kept it um, private for about nine months and then had lots of counseling to try to, you know, just navigate it as best as we could. But it was not a quick journey. You know, sometimes I think people hear me share my story and they say, man, that is terrible that her husband had an affair. And they draw straight lines to what they see on Instagram today. They don't realize that there was three years there of ups and downs and um, back and forth. And several times I thought we would renew our vows and things fell apart again. And um, so it was hard, very, very, very hard. Because I hear you say nine months and two words, nine months. And Mm -hmm. it's like, think of how long it was nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And think of how that's how long you just had to hold it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just, what were you saying to the Lord in those nine months when it was just you who knew? Well, it was me and a couple of close friends okay. that knew. And then um, then we did get counselors involved pretty quickly. And so my kids didn't know sure. and the public didn't know. But walking through all of those weddings without my adult children knowing was really hard. I can't imagine. It was really hard. Yeah. Because I think they could see that something was wrong with me. And then I think some of them felt guilty, like it's just too much pressure on mom having to plan all these weddings. And, you know, she's crying a lot and everything. And so they probably personalized what was happening when it really didn't have anything to do with their weddings. It was just the reality of life falling apart. Right. And the whole time you're writing. No, I'm not writing right then. Not yet. Mm Mm-mm. No, I um cuz I, I don't was, find that I can write and when I'm right in the middle of the Yeah, so sentence. no, I wasn't writing then because I was gearing up to release my book in the fall of 2016 Uninvited, which was about rejection. And so even which is that, huge. It's still on the list all the time. I see it on Publishers Weekly all the time. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how that book connected with people. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, it's um 
you know, it felt to me a little bit like an act of cruelty that God would have That's me have written a book the year before on rejection, <laughs> uh-huh. thinking I've healed from so much rejection in my life. And then here I am now, August of 2016, in the middle of the worst rejection of my life, right? right? But um, in preparation for releasing the book, you know, you do one final read through of the manuscript. And I was weeping, 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 saying, God, why'd you have me write this book? I don't want the book to come out in the world. I don't want to spend the next year talking Talking about about rejection, you know, and I'm suffering the worst rejection of my life. And, you know, we're trying to keep it private for right now so that my husband can heal and I can heal. And it was so complicated. And um, about halfway into reading my own book, it dawned on me, God had me write the book last year that I would desperately need that year. Oh my gosh. And it was not an act of cruelty. It was an act of great mercy. And my own words from that book, Uninvited, started a healing process inside of my heart that I needed. And how good of God to have had me studying biblically what to do when you're rejected. And, you know, he he gave me this whole manuscript, right. you know, and I knew the message because he poured the message through me. Uh-huh. And so um, then that helped me get through the release of that book in the fall of 2016. But um, I didn't start writing It's Not Supposed to Be This Way until 2017. And then everything fell apart again in June of 2017. So a lot of you will have probably read the blog that I finally put out in June of 2017, letting the world know I've been in an 18-month battle for my marriage. And unfortunately, I, um, at that point, had said to Art, I love you and I can forgive you, but I cannot share you. And um, so obviously he had cycled back into some of the chaos and um, it just wasn't going to be possible at that point for me to continue. And, you know, I released that blog very much thinking this is it. There is no more hope. I mean, there's really no more hope. Yeah, why would you ever do that if there was any hope? Yeah, yeah there, there is no more hope. And yeah. I had to face reality plus the fact, and I think a lot of people, I would say 99 out of 100 people took that blog and just started praying for me. I would say one in 100, very few, but but enough to where, man, it broke enough my heart. Loud ones. You know, they would say, you know, that is terrible that you would release a blog and um, that just would nail the coffin shut and make your husband never, ever, ever, you know, be able to come back. But if he were sitting here today, maybe one day we'll do a podcast oh, with I'd him. Oh, I love it, yeah. And he's he's amazing. You, yeah. you would really enjoy him. But if he were I've here I've laughed with him before at an abundance event okay, backstage. perfect. Yeah. yeah. So if he were here, he would say... Um, People can say what they want to, but me posting that blog was the best thing that ever happened to him because it finally forced him to go get help for himself. The Mm -hmm. day that the blog went live, he checked himself into a treatment center on his own, and he'd been to others, but this time it stuck, and he paid for it on his own. He did it on his own, and um, there became this shift in um, how he pursued healing differently. Mm -hmm. Of course, I didn't know that that was happening. Man, that's fascinating. Yeah. And so to me, I posted the blog. I stopped writing. 
I took a sabbatical, yeah. and I just went. Uh, Where'd you go? I mean, I know you came private. here part of the time. I remember for, you were here for a little bit. Yeah, so Did I, you just go around? I stayed at home a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, and it's so out of my comfort zone to do this, but I decided to go and uh, go to my friends that I knew I could stand on their faith when my faith felt quite shaky. And so I traveled around and really let godly friends and pastors and their families speak into me. And it was hard. It was really hard, but it was good. But it wasn't, you weren't saying to people, stand in faith that my marriage will work. You were just saying, stand in faith with me that God is good. I mean, you weren't. No, I was actually saying, I'm at a place where I could slip here. Like, it's not that I would slip into bad behavior or anything like that, because I'm too much of a rule follower. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying, my faith feels shakier than ever. So I need to come. I just need you to just speak those messages. You know I already know them, but I need you to speak. I need you to remind me where you see God being faithful in your life because I can't I can't see that right in front of my reality right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it was hard, yeah. um, but it was good. It was really good. Yeah. And then I came home and spent a quite, quite a bit of time at home with my kids. I made all those doctor's appointments that you never want to make. And where's Art? He's at his at the treatment center. Okay, so he's yeah. and so literally in your head, which I think this is so important and for I people couldn't to talk know, to him. That, yeah, that as far as you knew, because so often we hear these stories and we hear both sides now on the other side. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the middle of living, when you go, I don't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. or I don't know what she's doing. All I know is what mm-hmm. the truth I can have, which is this is over. Yeah, and he's gone, and I'm yeah. in this. And by he myself. was in the treatment center thinking it's over too. Yeah. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. And so then I'm at home and um, making all the doctor's appointments that you yeah. never have time to make. When That's you're right. On the you road. put off when you're on the road. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and so one of those was for a mammogram, and um, so I just did it to check it off my list. Yeah. I, I wasn't due for another mammogram, and I'd always had clear mammograms, but I just wanted like let me just get ahead of this, yeah. right? But I I got a call back and then I got another call back and then I got a third call back and then the need for a biopsy and then in September of 2017 I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I mean at this point are you just like hey God I work for you. Like <laughs> can we talk about that or like maybe you weren't that way. What did it feel like with God after both of those things? Yeah, well it definitely um felt unfair. Yeah. And um, I it's think it's not supposed to be this way. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I experienced every human emotion that you would think I would experience in that. Because don't you think that sometimes? I think this is mainly Southern, but also I grew up in the South, so maybe this is worldwide or nationwide. But Southern women don't often aren't often taught to tell the Lord what they really feel. Mm. That politeness wins over truth a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, so maybe I was externally polite, but internally very honest. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. remember one specific thing I thought as I was uh, picking up my things from the room that was filled with pamphlets about breast cancer, and you know the doctors had just told me. And were you by yourself? And uh, no, actually, Art um, had asked if he could come to that appointment with me because oh, wow. I did call him and tell him. At that point, um, we definitely were not on the path of reconciliation. However. 
we would meet every Sunday afternoon. After he got out of treatment, he asked if we could start meeting on Sunday afternoons and um, like pray together or whatever, and or at least have a meeting about the kids or something, you know. And so it took me a little while, but eventually I agreed to do those. So we were having, at that point, our weekly meetings on Sunday. And then, of course, I told him... Um, you know, that I'd gotten a bad test. So he knew the progression of bad test, bad test, bad test. And then, uh, so he wanted to be there with me when I found out. And uh, so he was sitting right there. But I do remember thinking, now what? Where do you go <laughs> when the doctors just attach the word cancer to your life? Yeah. Like, do I do I go get coffee? Do I go right. back to work? Like what? Right, like, do I go get chemo immediately? Like what happens? It's yeah. like a surreal experience. And as we were driving home that day, um, I remember also thinking, there's going to be a lot of people that are really upset with you about this, God, you know? It's like there's going to be a, a PR l- problem on your hands. Yeah, like <laughs> Lord. Lord, like a lot of people have been praying, and they a lot of people are aware of hurt upon hurt upon hurt. Uh-huh. You know, and I don't even know how to tell people. Yes, and so it took me a little bit, like a hot minute, to try to like, Lord, like, what do I even say? And isn't that funny that we think we need to help manage the perception? Yes, you know, I'd feel the same sometimes, and yet, you know, I mean, that's such a like. Come on, Lise, you really think you need to? <laughs> Like manage oh, do, that for I God. Know. I do the same though. If a relationship doesn't work or something, and, P, and it's a little more public, I go like, Ugh, "Everyone really had hope that God was I doing know. it." And then you go like, "Like people were praying for this, right, 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 right." And then this is this is not at all what we feel like a good God should do. But yeah. here's the thing: as humans, and I write about this in the introduction to uh, "It's Not Supposed to Be This Way." We become very attached to outcomes of our own assumption. Yes. In other words, we will have something hard happen to us, but we have this little stirring, like it's like the Christian girl stirring. Like uh-huh. it's okay because God's going to do something really good. Yes. Now, now that's all good. That's biblical. All that. Yay. Let's do this. Right. <laughs> Except here's where my brain goes. Oh, sweet. Well, I'm going to go ahead and write the good. Yeah. So here's what it means he's going to do. Surely do. Right. And Lisa. then I try to hold God accountable to the script I write. Yep. And so when I'm driving home and saying, you know, God, this is not going to make you look very good, Mm -hmm. you know, it's because my script definitely did not include breast cancer at all. Right. So that's really, I think, what can happen when we become very attached to outcomes of our own assumption. I'm interrupting this conversation with Lisa to tell you about some of our sponsors. Do you desire a growing relationship with God, or are you struggling to find a resource for your Bible reading, prayer time, and looking for something that's easy to understand and relatable to daily life? First 15 is a free daily devotional podcast created to help believers experience God's presence. It includes scripture, reflection, prayer, musical worship, and a call to action every day. It's also available through email or through the app or online at first15.org. It's also available in a Spanish translation, which I think is awesome, at primeros15.org. It's a community of over 100,000 readers in 200 countries. One of their readers, Anne, said, Your new podcast has been an answer to prayer for me. I've been doing First 15 for a year and a half and have been so blessed in my walk with God. It's an amazing app. I think you guys are going to love it. You can go on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere that you normally listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and you can find the first 15 devotional. It's also on their website, 
F-I-R-S-T-1-5.org or Primeros15.org. At Lipscomb University, their online programs are shaped by a commitment to creating a better future. And with multiple undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs to choose from, you can define what that future looks like and earn the same academically rigorous degree you'd get on their campus, all with the flexibility to fit your life. We know you're ready to lead, so pursue your goals and a better world at Lipscomb Online. Visit lipscomb.edu backslash online to learn more. That's L-I-P-S-C-O-M-B dot E-D-U slash online. And now back to the show. I had this picture in my head a couple of weeks ago. You know, the movie Wizard of Oz where there's a point where Dorothy can see Oz over. But first she has to go through the woods before Mm -hmm, she gets there. mm -hmm. And so I was talking to the Lord about unmet expectations. And it felt like the idea was like, well, sometimes I'm going to show you Oz because I need you walking that way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you're going to Oz. Mm. There may be a turn here or there, but but my goodness, it, you assumed we were going to mm-hmm. Oz. I just showed you Oz. And the Lord knows Annie enough. Annie, mm. you're going to be attracted to Oz. <laughs> so if I want you going in this direction, right. I know you will. You think you're going because you're attracted to Oz. And yep. yeah, it may head you in the right direction, but it ain't Oz. But I've got something else. Yeah. And so now in work or in relationships or whatever, when I see Oz, I go, oh, there's Oz. Mm-hmm. I'll walk toward it. I'm not certain that I'm moving into Oz mm-hmm. like I used to be about anything because our expe- you're right, our expectations. And maybe I've been thinking so much about the upbringing of Christian faith and how, how we can make sure we're doing that really well for the next generation. So how do you teach your kids or all of us that you teach constantly about how to expect good things from God and have expectations, but not to run it all the way to your own script? Well, there's—and and I always want to be so careful here because I don't want to give— pat answers that make Christianity sound easier Gross. than what I the know. journey is. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. However, I also know that there are linear people out there mm-hmm. who at this point in the podcast, they need something to they write down. Need, yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. So They're like, Lisa, give me three points. And I'm please. about to. Okay, good. So, so for our point people out there, <laughs> yes. um, I'm not trying to oversimplify this. I'm just saying this really helps me. Okay. And it's these three things. I will say to myself, Lisa, just remember, God is good, mm-hmm. even when circumstances are not. Second, God is good to me. And if he doesn't feel faithful right now, go remind yourself the last time you saw him so very faithful yeah. and you thanked him mm-hmm. for his faithfulness. It didn't look anything like what you thought it should look like. Mm-hmm. But yet now hindsight has taught you. So God is good. God is good to me. And the most important part is God is good at being God. No oh, human, <laughs> no human should have to carry the weight of trying to be our own God, but yes. so many of us do. We we say we trust God, and then we work our fingers to the bone and our emotions into a tangled fray, trying to strategize, manipulate, control, figure it all out. And God's like, "Wait a minute, sweetie, I'm really good at being God." Yeah. So your job is just be obedient to me, just mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Don't look so far down the road and try to figure it all out. You'll Stress yourself out beyond what you can bear, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Just your job is to be obedient to me today. Just go where I tell you to go. Love who I tell you to love. Don't make it so complicated. Don't hyper-spiritualize everything, you know? The the coffee cup pointed in the direction of left didn't mean that the dude in that car right there is Oz, Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't hyper-spiritualize everything. 
just recognize your job. Just be obedient to me today. Yeah. Just just do that. And my job's everything else. Yeah. God is good. God is good to me. God is good at being God. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. I have written on my mirror right now. I am in the center of God's kindness. Mm. And so every day I have to read when no matter what I feel, I have to look up while I'm brushing my teeth and go, oh. Whatever happens right now, I'm actually in the dead center of God's kindness toward Mm -hmm. me because the relationship is there and he is just kind and good all the time. And let me just speak some relationship truth here too, if I may. Yes, of course. I Because I've been in in a lot of different scenarios now. I mean, I'm turning, hold on, this is going to be the first time on any podcast I ever say (laughs) this. So hold on, give me a hot minute, Annie. I'm turning 50 this year. Okay. What? Okay, so... There you go. It's I'm not far behind you. Exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> Lisa's birthday is coming up, everybody. Let's celebrate. Okay. So I've been through some stuff for sure yeah. when it comes to relationships. And I have felt the lonely of being single, watching everybody get married and kind of thinking, huh, you know, this this stinks. So I felt that kind of lonely. I felt lonely inside the marriage where I was like, man... I thought this was going to right all my wrongs, fill up all my insecurities, and make me feel loved all the time. Right. Wait a minute, you know? And I felt lonely when Art and I separated. I didn't think that we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so almost like lonely, single again, you know, kind of thing. And I can tell you, I felt all those versions of loneliness. Yeah. The worst version of loneliness is to be surrounded by people and to be in a marriage where you are utterly alone. Mm. That's the worst version of loneliness. Really? And so when you say, sometimes you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, I'm in the center of God's kindness. Yeah. You are. I am. Yeah. You are. Yeah. That's, I have a friend who texted me not long ago and said, and she's married, and she said, I think it's harder to be lonely in marriage than to be lonely in singleness. I was like, I bet that's really true. Mm-hmm. That feels really true. It is. Okay, so to the woman listening, what about the woman listening who's having the affair? Mm. What do you say to her? Because she knows this isn't the best thing for her family or herself. But mm-hmm. there's so actually it is. a chapter in the book about that. Okay. Because in the middle of me walking through this, um, I had a friend. She had moved out of town and we met up during one of my trips. Yeah. I was so excited to see her. I hadn't eaten bread for a whole week because, you know. <laughs> You got to be looking good for certainly, a girlfriend, right? Certainly. <laughs> and so, um, so I remember we met at a restaurant, and I knew something was wrong. Yeah, I could feel it. I could discern it. Mm-hmm. And she was smiling and nodding and everything. But all of a sudden, it's like our conversation came to a screeching halt, and there was just a real awkward moment. And I reached my hand across the table, and I said, "What is going on?" Yeah. And the story that that tumbled out from her was heartbreaking. And she just said, Lisa, I wanted to tell you, but how in the world could I tell you when you're knee deep in the other side of this, you know? So I remember listening to her and becoming so very hyper aware at how the enemy got her. Yes. And here's what happened. She felt disappointed about several things in her relationship and the enemy handcrafted temptations that seemed to be the perfect ease for her ache. Mm. And he put those temptations in front of her 
And that's really the first thing that the enemy, enemy does. It comes temptation. Then the second thing is deception. And two deceptions, I think, came at her in a way that that kind of hooked her in. Mm-hmm. And the first was, you've been through so much. You deserve this. You deserve this. happiness. You deserve, mm-hmm. yeah. And the second one was, yeah, it's wrong for everyone else, but it's not wrong for you. You are spiritually mature enough to handle it. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can, I can ride with you on the first one. <laughs> the second one would mm-hmm. be harder. Yeah. Wow. And so temptation. But man, he knows what to say. Deception. Yeah. Temptation, deception. And then the third thing that he'll do is accusation. Mm-hmm. So make no mistake, in the temptation and the deception, the enemy never wants to comfort you or coddle you. The enemy wants to crush you. Mm-hmm. And he will do that after you are knee-deep in the sin, and then he takes the sin and puts and it back on you. hammers you with yes. it. Yes, and that's that accusation. Yeah. And so that's where she was living. And, um, and I think a good thing for people to hear from this is if you hear a sentence in your head that's, well, I deserve this. Mm you probably are being fed something not true. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know that the Lord often says, you deserve, here's what you deserve. Yeah, and it's usually subtle. Yeah. You know, it's not... But I hear hear that in my head sometimes where I go, well, I should eat all that because I deserve it. I've worked really hard today. And then I Mm -hmm. go, oh, I deserve. Okay, let's back up. You can eat as much as you want. Mm -hmm. Not probably because you deserve it. Right. Good point, Annie. I think that's good good consideration for sure. But um, it was complicated and hard. But here was the beautiful thing. Her opening up to me helped open my eyes up to the fact like, wow, we are all but just one or two decisions away from crazy. Like, (laughs) seriously, we are. I believe that. And um, because the minute that temptation starts and that the uh, all that kicks off, the opportunity will show up. It will. I mean, it'll and, you'll for good and for evil. If mm-hmm. you start, I mean, if you start talking about how much you, it's something positive, uh, I want to exercise more and I want to get healthier, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, they go to a gym. Oh, they go to a gym. Mm-hmm. If ever if you have a red van, suddenly everybody has red vans. Mm-hmm. And if it's sin, suddenly mm-hmm. the opportunities everywhere. But listening to her helped me actually develop some compassion for art that I needed to develop. Really? And so it wound up not being this horrible conversation that she had envisioned that it might be. Yeah. It wound up being um, a conversation of a huge dose of compassion into my heart, recognizing at the end of the day, yes, I mean, the decisions that Art made, he needs to own them, and he does own them, Mm -hmm. and I want him to have his journey with all the healing of that, but at the end of the day, you know, this really, it's about so much more than just me and Art, you know? It's not just about us. Mm -hmm. It's about what the enemy is so hell-bent on doing to the family today, Yeah, and it's about getting caught in the cycle of sin before you even realize it, you know? So easily entangles, huh? Yeah, That gets truer and truer the older I get. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so easily entangles. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I would have a lot of compassion, but I would also, if you're listening today and you are knee deep in that, you will not be able to get out of it yourself. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to find a trusted counselor a trusted Christian friend to talk to and to say to them, I need help. Yes. 
And even if your heart's not there yet, just make your mouth say just those words. Say it. Yep. Like, I need help. This is what's happening, and I've mm-hmm. got to get mm-hmm. out of this. The first time you turn on a flashlight, the room changes. Mm-hmm. If you can bring any light into the darkness, mm-hmm. you will be grateful. Um, okay, you, you did a great little segue for me, Lisa. Let's talk about counseling. Mm-hmm. Because you and I both love counseling and we on-site. We do. And Jim, Jim Cress. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. What a hero. He's such a good counselor yes. that he never told me that we that he was with both of us until you were public about it. Right. So he was my on-site group counselor. Amazing. And so, and he's with you in Charlotte. Yes. I mean, he is just one of the finer, more gentle truth tellers I've ever met. He is. I would agree with that. Here's what is the amazing thing about Jim, and the, what what I feel like is the amazing thing about counseling, mm-hmm. right? So I always thought if I go to counseling, they're going to try to boss me around. Yes. And they're going to try to make me cry and then get me weak <laughs> and then make me Tear say, me down to build me back up. Yeah, yep. te- tear me all the way down. Yep. And then they're going to give me like all these protocol, like, you <laughs> right. know, like, okay, now that you feel really bad about yourself, yeah. now you got to yeah. do A, B, and C this week, That's right? right? And next we'll, we'll do D, E, F, you yeah. know? And it's all going to be hard. It's all going to be hard. <laughs> That's right. But that's, that has not been my experience. No, and maybe I. for some of you, you've had, you know, not great counseling experiences. But I would say if you have a good counselor, here's what happened to me. He provided an incubator for the answers that God already tucked mm. inside of my heart mm-hmm. to suddenly stir and come to life. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like he was bossing me around. It felt like he just provided a safe place for wisdom to come out that that was already tucked inside of me. And it was a beautiful process. Mm -hmm. He also was so such a master at not letting me justify my own craziness, you know, like my own bad behaviors. Right. But but he also he let me come to my conclusions. I don't I don't understand how he did it. Uh, He so so the best thing for me is that if if I need to change something, I need to come to that realization, and he provided the environment where I could come to that realization without feeling terrible about myself. That's right. That's such a great way. that He did that a lot for us at OnSite as well, and still is speaks into my life a good bit now that you're, you don't really have interaction with your therapist at OnSite for a year afterwards. So now that we're at a year, we've been able to email a little bit and have lunch once with his wife when they were in town. I just was amazed at the way at OnSite that, have you done the Living Center program? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, in the group setting, it's one person's story that everyone's kind of living in. Mm-hmm. And there were times where I would be, I mean, I'm in it. I'm playing someone's mother. Or I'm playing someone's friend or whatever. And the whole time I'm watching Jim. And the way he leads people mm-hmm. into to find the truth that is in them that God's already placed in them, afterwards I'd be like, you are a master. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely a master at not manipulating, that's not the right word, but at moving yes. the story so that people see a different perspective than what they have lived. That's right. And, it's and here's what's really funny. Okay, so after the first day, I went up to my counselor and I said, hey, so these skits that we keep having to do, I'm so glad we're over those because like we got through those the first day. I'm just so thankful because I, I really like, I'm not really like, I, I don't know, right. like I'm not into the skit thing. So yeah. thank goodness that was day one. So what's day two? 
And she's like, okay, first of all, Lisa, they're not skits. Right. They're called psychodrama. I'm like, right. oh, don't call them psychodrama. Right. That doesn't sound like it fits with my Christian faith. It feels faith. hard. I'm really, I'm scared of that term. That's I right. don't know. That's I right. don't see it in the Bible. Like, I'm really afraid right, right. now, right? Right. And she was a dynamic, amazing Christian woman. And I think she could sense like my hesitancy with all of this. And she just so tenderly said, sweetie, we're going to be doing these all week. Yeah. Because doing these dramas, um, that's the only way to access the part of your brain that has been traumatized most deeply. Mm, Is acting it out. And it was very, very true and very powerful for me. Um, So there were so many things that happened that week and not necessarily when I was doing some of the drama scenes from my life and picking other people to pick characters in my life, but it was when I was playing a character in someone else's life, my guard was down and I could see things that I needed to see. Mm -hmm. And it was powerful. I mean, Lisa, I, I, I may have said this on the show before, but I played someone's husband in a scene, and I'm not kidding you, I've never felt so loved. I mean, I was like, because all the all the other men in her life have been abusive except her current husband. And so when she's talking to me, I'm weeping mm-hmm. because I was like, it's hard to explain this to people outside. I know, of now that everybody thinks we're so totally yeah. weird at this point. <laughs> so. But it just was like, your guard is down. You are so disconnected mm-hmm. because you haven't had TV, phone, anything. And these people have become your primary people for a week. Mm-hmm. And it's just so helpful. And not everybody can make it happen calendar-wise. And and I get that on-site isn't for everybody. There's a lot of other places around the nation that provide really good counseling like this, too. But what makes you do, like, weekly, monthly? What makes you do, do your check-in counseling at home? Well... I'll answer that question, but yeah. let me say why I even went to OnSite. Yeah, because we can say as much I, as you want about OnSite. I felt I like I had been in an emotional car accident, and like my left arm had gotten chopped off, and I was bleeding profusely. And I knew I needed an emotional emergency room, yeah. but there nobody knew where to take me. Right? Did you, you know go after saying? you found out about art? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so this was the recommendation of a Christian counselor that I very much trusted. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was terrified. terrified. Um, I cried the whole drive. And I, I made sure, like, okay, I'm going to be in a Christian group. I'm going to have a yeah, Christian counselor, yeah. like the whole nine yards, yeah. you know. And I honestly. I don't know. I'm I'm just not a super adventurous person. And so I was really scared. But the Lord met me in that place and was so sweet. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. So then coming home. I mean, it totally changed my life. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then so coming home, I thought, I can't lose that. You know, you can sometimes go off and do something and have a profound experience, but then the longer you get away from it, the more distance you come from the healing that Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that. I, I knew that I had to have that. And I feel like for me, at least, um, I needed spiritual healing, which I definitely got in the word, um, in Bible studies at Christian counseling at, you know, through pastors that I would meet with and things like that. But I also needed emotional healing and I needed to have a safe place for my heart to be tended to in that emotional sense. And I feel like the combination of the spiritual and the emotional healing for me was very, very important. Yes. It's a good investment of my time and money as well, because I think there it's just good that someone knows most, if not all, my story, mm-hmm. and they're just on team health of Annie. Mm-hmm. They aren't on team 
Annie's family. They are on team Annie's work. They are on team Annie's management. They're not even, she's not even on team Annie. She's on team Annie's health. Mm -hmm. And so she'll say things like, you're not going to like this, but you need to do this differently. And I'm like, I don't like that. But, but it's about keeping that, the work we did there real in my life. Mm -hmm. Last year or a couple of weeks ago when I was at my one year, I like laid everything out on the floor from onsite and I went day by day on the same path they were on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, it is just amazing how scared I was of what ended up being. And it was still hard. People were like, are you glad you went? I'm like, I'm so glad I got home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess I'm glad I went. I was really glad on day like six. Mm -hmm. But it just is, yeah, it's a once in a lifetime kind of healing, I think. I mean, I think I'll go back at some point for other things, but... That first time feels like a once-in-a-lifetime healing. Yeah, I think we all have blind spots, and um, that was a really good time of helping to gently open my eyes to my mm -hmm. own blind spots. Yes, yes. And yet the whole time, and not everybody in my group was a Christian by any stretch, and not everybody at Onsite's a Christian, but for me, it felt like the Lord set me up every day of what healing I needed, yep. where He and I were in that, mm -hmm. whether, whether that was true for everybody in my group or not, He and I we're going after healing. Absolutely. And I thought that, I mean, I just watched Jesus rescue over and over again, even when people didn't say his name. Mm -hmm. And I just think that I've been looking for that in the rest of my life since then. Cause I'm like, well, if you do that at onsite, you probably do that everywhere. Yeah. Where are you rescuing that I'm not even knowing? That's beautiful. So, and it's been cool. It's been fun to watch. So you and Art have renewed your vows. Now we you're on have. the other side of something. I mean, you can't be on the other side of everything, but you're mm -hmm. on the other side of something. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to sit here in like one podcast and do a journey right. that <laughs> right. really lasted three years. Yes. And so I always hesitate. Like, I don't want people to think that it was like this easy path of like hurt and then healing and then restoration. Right. You know, we were separated. We didn't even live together two and a half years. That's unbelievable. And yeah. so it was really, so really long. hard. Yeah. And also, you know, I think the other thing that's really important to know is that, again, there were no promises that this was going to work out the way that it worked out. But yes, we have renewed our vows, and I am so grateful. It was an unusually warm Tuesday afternoon in December. The girls and I put dresses on, and the boys yeah, got all dressed beautiful. up. We had about 70 um, friends and family there in our backyard, and it wound up being really beautiful. I'm so grateful, so grateful, so, so, so grateful. I don't understand, Annie, why my story worked out this way. Yeah. I don't. My heart breaks for other people who prayed just as hard as me and who believed uh, with just as much faith as me, you know, and then God took them in a different direction, you know. And, and I think, isn't that the ultimate question about God sometimes? It's like he never will be reduced to a formula, yeah. you know, yeah. because I'm convinced God doesn't want to be explained away. He just wants to be invited in. Mm. He just wants to be invited in. And why this story goes that direction and my story went this direction, I don't know. And I want to be so sensitive to just acknowledging that reality. I also think something that people are very curious about is, is art really okay yeah. that you've written the story? Yeah. Like, is he really okay that... Um, that you're even on Annie's podcast. Right. Right. right? And that we know his real name. Yeah. When you put out that blog post and put his first name, I was like, Lisa Turkhurst is not joking. I was like, she is calling art by name. I mean, but you only have one husband, but I did think 
man, they're really doing it if she's saying his real name. Thank you for acknowledging I only have one husband. That's yeah, important. that's right. That's right. <laughs> this was him. I know. <laughs> um, but here's what Art would say if he were here because he's he said it. Yeah. He would say that when he walks in a room, it is hard yeah. that everybody knows our story. So when he walks in a room, though, he says he can just acknowledge like, okay, Everyone knows the story. You see, if everyone didn't know the story, he would have to walk in the room and navigate who knows, who doesn't know, sure. whatever. Sure. And um, our story was going to come out whether I put that blog post out or not because yeah. the rumor reel was starting. And yeah. so I decided to make the choice. Am I going to let the rumor reel tell it or am I going to get in front of yeah, it and tell that's it? that's right. And at that point, it definitely did not appear that we were going to be right. able to stay together. Many reasons why. Now, all these you know, year and a half later after the blog post, almost two years, Art would say the blessing is he walks in a room and everybody knows the story. The curse is he walks in the room and everybody knows the story, right? Right. Right. But because he's free, he doesn't have to figure out who knows and who doesn't know. Now he's free to turn his energy into something else. Mm. And what he would say is, I have a choice. I can walk in that room as the villain of this story, Mm -hmm. because I certainly made choices that lean in that direction. I could also make a strong case that I'm the victim in this story because of things that happened earlier in in my childhood and growing up years that were super hard, you know? So I could... And my behavior was just an out... Exactly. Like I could be a victim. He said, but I'm not going to use my energy on either Mm -hmm. one of those. I'm going to use my energy to walk in that room being a, a redeemed man walking in victory. And that is true today. Mm-hmm. One of the abundance events, I remember thinking, and I think I may even said to the Lord, I went, I want a bodyguard like artist for Lisa. Mm-hmm. You know, because it wasn't just that there was a thing going on, but he just was with you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my, I mean, I don't know that my husband necessarily has to have a job that's right alongside me. Yours doesn't. But I just thought, okay, Lord, that's a good thing to note. That mm-hmm. I just liked how he cared for you. Mm-hmm. And so I hope when we're in a room again together, he knows that I feel that about him. Thank you, Annie. That that's how I... Now, here's another thing. You've married the same man twice. Mm-hmm. You've planned a lot of your daughter's weddings. Someday when I get married, what do I need to know about getting married? What is the thing about a wedding <laughs> that now you're like, here's the thing that doesn't matter. Here's the thing that really matters. You've done this a lot now. What's the trick? Here was the number one piece of advice that I gave to each of my girls. And I said uh, to them, on your wedding day, you're the one that brings happy. Mm. And if you bring that happy, everyone in the room will be happy no matter what happens. Yeah. But if you walk in that room and you bring stress, everybody in the room will feel it and they in, and your wedding will be stressful. Okay. Your choice. Okay. Happier stress. And so here's what's really funny. When my oldest daughter got buried, right before she walked down the aisle, and I had been saying this so she could quote it, top yeah, yeah, of mind, yeah. you know, if you bring the happy, your wedding will be happy, yeah. you know? Right before she walked down, a lady sat down who had this really very poofy skirt on uh-huh. and her skirt fell down into one of the jars lining the aisle oh, gosh. and it caught on fire. I was about to say with a candle in it. No. <laughs> and so we all had to quick, quick, like, <laughs> like put the lady's dress up and she's like, ah, oh, my dress, you know. Um, but I am telling you, my daughter who normally would be phased by something yeah. like that, 
I don't know if she said, like, if I bring the happy, things will be happy. Yeah. But boy, she walked down that aisle and was just as happy and glowing as if no dress had ever caught on fire. <laughs> that's and right. It was amazing. So that's what I would say. It is stressful planning an event and doing all the stuff sure. or whatever. So do what is you, mm-hmm. you know? Don't feel like you have to do all the stuff that everybody else does. Just do yeah. what's you. Yeah. You know, when Art and I renewed our vows, um, one of my favorite, favorite parts was that we wove in things to the ceremony and to the decorations that were very significant to us that um, probably nobody would pick up on. So during the dinner time, we stood up and said, hey, we want to tell you why some of these details of today were so very special to us. And it was, I think, one of people's favorite parts of the yes. whole day. Easter know? eggs everywhere. Just yeah. little like things everywhere. Yep. Okay. Yep. So it was really special and really fun, but make it special, make it memorable. But at the end of the day, remember, if you're the bride, you bring the happy and it'll be a happy day. Okay. Great. I can do I can do that. My Enneagram seven can do that <laughs> if I can choose not to be a one and be stressed. Okay. So Lisa, I mean, I feel like the other update I'd want us to give our friends that are listening is what is your health update? How, how is your body? I, uh, wound up deciding with the breast cancer diagnosis that I had, um, that I wanted to go ahead and have a double mastectomy. Mm. And, um, so I did that in November. As a matter of fact, November of, um, 2017. And it was the day after I turned in the manuscript. It's not supposed to be this way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I turned in the book and went into surgery the very next day. And um, the surgery was harder than what I expected, Mm. but it wound up being the right decision for me. Then in March of 2018, I wound up having... um, reconstruction. And I'm supposed to have two more surgeries um, after that, but they're elective. And so I'm just trying to navigate my threshold for surgeries because I'm kind of over it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I have been declared cancer-free. And so I'm very, very grateful. That is incredible. Man, and the Lord Lord is good no matter what, Mm -hmm. but it is just good to see him do this side of the story. Yes. You know, I just And every day grateful. is a gift to me. It really is. You know, and sometimes when I get really stressed out about different little details or things in life or whatever, I can step back and go, you know what? I have carried the weight of cancer. I can certainly carry the weight of this. That's right. That's right. My like naturopath doctor, I see one of the sentences she writes on my paper a lot before she hands it to me is always like, you can make this work. She was like, look in the mirror and say, I can make this work <laughs> every day. I can make this work. Um, okay. Thank you so much for being on the show. Aww. I didn't even get to brag on what a generous friend you've been to me of helping me before. I, I mean, literally, I said to my agent today, Lisa Turkers could ask me to do anything and I'm going to say yes because you are you believed in me when no one else. I mean, when I was not a writer, you said I was. And so I know I tell you that all the time, but I really, I mean, thank you for this. Well, thank you for being faithful because you have become quite a gift. You know, I just, uh, I'm in the middle of reading your book and it is precious, beautiful. It reads as lovely as the best fiction novel. Oh, thanks. And yet I have to keep reminding myself, this is real. Like yeah. Annie really did this. this. Actually, my friend Annie's life. Yeah. 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 And um, it's delightful. You oh, are right. a delightful gift oh, to every sweet. reader that is fortunate enough to 
have one of your books. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for knowing some of that back in 2008, nine. I don't know. I'm not it's good been with years. dates. No, it was before I lived here. So six or seven probably. Yeah. I mean, you were in Atlanta. Yeah, I was still in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. So thank you. I'm, you're welcome. I'm forever loyal to you on a thousand levels because I love you now, but I, I love how you loved me then too. So thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so the last question we always ask because it's called That Sounds Fun, the show. What sounds fun to you? What do you do for fun? Oh, okay. So I'm not super adventurous. So this uh-huh. may not sound it's okay. no, no, epically no. fun to no, no, anyone no, 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 no. else. That, we have people say, take a bath. So you got everything. Okay. So probably in my daily life, what sounds yeah. fun is to get up, have my little coffee, sprinkle my cinnamon on top, uh-huh. right? With just a little trivia because, okay. you know, we're all trying to be mm, healthy. That's right. I know that <laughs> um, so that really does sound fun to me. Yeah. Curl up, read a book, do, you know, some kind of study, whatever. Yeah. So that really yeah. sounds fun. But... If I was able to tap into this really crazy, uh-huh. completely adventurous side of me, okay, okay, what totally sounds fun is to go and be a private investigator. Oh, for just, <laughs> I did not see that coming. I'm serious. <laughs> for just a season. I'm not talking about like not writing books and right, speaking right, right. forever. I'm talking about for a season, you and me. Just, oh. You and me. Couldn't we and, do it? And our friend Meredith. I was about to say, Meredith, are you in? Yes, <laughs> Did yes. you know she was going to say that, Meredith? I truly think that sounds like so much fun. Oh, so do you listen to like crime podcasts I do. and all that stuff? Up and Vanished? See, yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. We could have done See? It. Maurice, the investigator See, on that show, needs his show. you didn't even know to answer this question that way. No. But see, this is what we could do. We could totally go investigate something. Yes. And then we could do a podcast about it. Yes. That sounds fun. Lisa. And nobody in Christendom's doing that yet. We may we may just need to have a meeting because I think this is not your worst idea. <laughs> I think this sounds excellent. This okay. sounds fun. This sounds fun. <laughs> the murder mystery <laughs> edition. That sounds fun crime. That's what we're going to do. All right. Well, think about it. Well, thank you for making time and being on the show today. You're so welcome. Gracious. Thanks again to Lisa Turkhurst for coming into the office and being on the podcast with me today. I'm so thankful to get to share some of her story with you guys. If you haven't grabbed her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, make sure you do that today. It is so, I mean, it's just so good. And we all can relate to that in one way or another. And make sure you follow Lisa. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed hearing from her and this conversation. If you get a chance to share it with one of your friends that you think will really appreciate it or someone that you know has already read Lisa's stuff, go ahead and share that with them today. That's the best way for us to invite new friends into the podcast. If there's anything I can do for you, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the place. F as in fancy. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you need me. I think that's it for me today. You guys go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same and we will see you here on Thursday.